two of our series, White as Snow. Um, last week, Pastor Cindy, if you recall, talked to us about Mary and her response when the angel came to visit her. Kind of a surprising visit, but a faithful response. Uh, and then told her about her role, right, as the mother of Jesus. Well, this week, we're going to look at Joseph. And we're going to consider his role in God's plan. And so as we begin, let's read today's scripture passage. It's going to be found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23. If you have your Bible, you want to turn to it. Verses will be on the screen if you need them. Um, So this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Okay, let's think about what we just read. Okay, Joseph is engaged to be married to a young girl named Mary. Scripture tells us she was a virgin. Now, engagements back in those days were different than they are today. Today, if you're engaged to somebody and things don't work out, you just break off the engagement. You maybe have to give the gifts back, I don't know, but you know, you, you just break it off and everybody just goes their own way. Back then, engagements were a binding agreement, which means if you ended an engagement, you actually had to file for divorce. So this was a, this was a, a big thing. So with that in mind, we'll just look a little bit more at Matthew 1.18 where it says Mary's found to be pregnant. Okay, now I realize this is back in biblical times. Okay, But you know what? People back then were still just real people, weren't they? They were people just like you and me. They had real emotions. And I think we can say that this must have been a pretty difficult conversation. Uh, Mary had to tell Joseph she was pregnant. And that it was by the Holy Spirit. Okay, I don't care how many times you rehearse this speech. This is going to be hard, right? Because can you imagine Joseph's thoughts when he hears Mary's story? I mean, really, he must have been thinking there is no way this is true. And what's worse, I can't believe you're trying to blame God. That's not how you got pregnant. That's not how it works. But that's her story. You know, and then when you think Joseph's head had to be spinning at all this. 
But at the same time, don't you know that his heart was breaking? It's absolutely breaking. The only thing he knew for sure was he didn't get her pregnant. And after what she's done, it would seem he didn't want to marry her. And besides, he's got to be thinking, if I stay with this girl, everybody's going to blame me. What are they going to think? How will I explain this to my family, to my friends, to the church? But even if I don't stay with her and just try to move on, everybody's going to blame me and think I'm the guy that got her pregnant. Look, Scripture doesn't tell us all of Joseph's thoughts. Okay? But what we do know from Scripture was that he decided to end the relationship. So either he decided he just couldn't believe her or he just didn't want to take the heat, right, of what was going to happen. Whichever way it was, he was ready to call it quits. It's confirmed in verse 19 because it said, because Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Divorcing her quietly was actually a very noble thing to do on his part. Uh, he's not willing to go public. Uh, he doesn't want to tell everybody she cheated on me, which in fact could have resulted in her being stoned. Truth is, he's probably still very much in love with her, but he's just devastated by all this. And he probably thinks somehow if we can just do this quietly, Maybe we can both just move on. You know, it's amazing to me. People of Israel have been waiting for a long time for the Messiah. But think about this. The way God chooses to answer their prayers is not by sending them some tough military leader who's going to defeat all their enemies and solve all their problems. Instead, God sends them a baby, defenseless and in need of provision, protection, and love. A baby that was going to need a mom and dad. As a result, God, in his love for his son, sent an angel to speak to Joseph in a dream. Not only to confirm Mary's story, but also to instruct Joseph that he was to proceed with the marriage and that he would be the one to name the child Jesus. Thankfully, Joseph, like Mary, responded, as all of us should when we receive some direction from God for our lives, because it tells us that he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. Now, by the way, just because he obeyed what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do, does that mean that all the gossip and turned heads regarding their relationship was going to go away? No. No. There was still going to be heat. Right? It just meant that in spite of all that that would come, Joseph chose to obey God. He 
He chose to obey God. The long-awaited promise of a Messiah was about to be fulfilled. And in spite of all the improbable and miraculous events that it took to bring it to pass, I want to suggest to you that the greatest miracle of all was God becoming human. God becoming human. One of the amazing things about the Christian faith is it's the only religion where you'll find God remaining fully God, but also becoming fully human. That, 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 that event is called the incarnation. The incarnation. Fully God, yet fully human. And it's the incarnation that was prophesied centuries before the birth of Jesus through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 14, 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, the meaning of the name Emmanuel is God with us. God with us. With the birth of Jesus, this Old Testament prophecy that was given to Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus was born, this Old Testament prophecy became New Testament reality. God entered humanity and became one of us. I really do think that's like the miracle of all miracles. How does that happen? And yet it did. And it did. God with us means God is available. So if, if God with us is, is the concept, then, you know, I think the question, right, that's fair to ask is then, well, how can God be with me? How can God be with me? Because we want that. And so the first thing is if we want to have God, if you want God to be with you, is first of all to see Jesus as the word of God. To see him as the word of God. John 1.14 says the word, God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Really interesting thing when I dug into this. The word, this made his dwelling, Okay, the word dwell is a Greek word that actually means to set up a tent. To set up a tent. So if you think about the idea of pitching a tent with all of us, it becomes pretty clear that God wanted to be close. He wanted to be nearby. He wanted to be on familiar terms. He wanted a lot of interaction. Because on the other hand, think about this. If you move to a new town and you built this big house, surrounded it by a big wall and a moat. It would be pretty clear to everybody around that you didn't really want to interact with them. You didn't want them just dropping by for coffee, right? But if you moved to a new town and you pitched a tent right in the town square, you would be making it pretty obvious you wanted to be around people. You wanted, you wanted to have interaction. You, you wanted to be with them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He, he, that's why God became human. He pitched his tent right where we lived, right where people lived, so he could have lots of interactions, lots of dealings, because it was personal with Jesus. It was intimate with Jesus. And, 
I mean, think about Jesus and all the things we, we can read about him in the New Testament. I mean, he felt what we feel. He ate the food that we eat. Uh, he got tired. He even wept when his friend Lazarus died. Here's the thing. And, and we really can't possibly understand it, but we can choose to believe it. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of mankind, has firsthand knowledge of what our lives are like because he pitched his tent right in the middle of where we live. He is truly Emmanuel, God with us. Second way we can experience God with us is to come to the perfect high priest. In Jewish culture, the high priest was responsible for making atonement, which was offering a sacrifice for the sins of the people once a year. Uh, he would go into the Holy of Holies in the uh, Jewish temple, but the problem was this sacrifice had to be made over and over each year. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he became the perfect sinless sacrifice for our sins once and for all. Jesus became the ultimate perfect high priest, qualified to make atonement for our sins because he was without sin. And as a result, there was no need for the process to ever be repeated again. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What I love most about this passage in Hebrews that we just read is that it ends with this powerful encouragement for us to approach the throne of God. It invites us to approach the throne of God with confidence. With confidence. So that we will we may receive mercy and help find grace in our time of need. We can approach confidently because of who he is and because of what he's done, not based on our merits or anything we've done, but solely on his sacrifice of love for all of us. Jesus is the perfect high, high priest. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us, and he loves you and me with an amazing love. That means no matter who you are, what you've done, or how far you've moved away from God, he loves you too. And he's waiting for you, and he will welcome you back. Finally, if you want God to be with you, then ask Jesus to be by your side. To be by your side, to stand with you. You know, Jesus has never refused anyone. He's never refused to stand by anyone who was seeking his amazing love. There is an incredible example of this in the New Testament scriptures. And for those of you who know this passage, I've never, this is a new way of looking at it. This is not why we've normally read this. 
But I want, I want to read you this and see this, this application. It's found in John 8, and we're going to read several sections. First, I'll read you John 8, verses 3 through 6. It says, Now, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a, a basis for accusing him. Okay, and if you think about it, there's a lot going on here. But there's one thing that really stands out. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees have brought this woman and made her stand in front of the entire group, including Jesus. Okay? Now, as if this day hadn't already been hard enough for her, now she's got to stand confronted by her sin and her shame in front of a bunch of men who really don't care anything about her. They don't care anything about her, but they are just using her to try and make a point with Jesus. Can you imagine how small and worthless she must have felt at that very moment? The account continues, John 8, verses 6 through 9. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Okay, now look, over the years, there's been a lot of speculation about what Jesus was writing on the ground. Okay, And we probably all have our own opinions. Okay, I certainly do. But I know this, whatever it was, that action coupled with his challenge that whoever of you... Yeah, well, that resulted in all the accusers leaving one by one until only Jesus, who remained, was the one who remained, standing there with her. John 8, 10 and 11 says Jesus straightened up, and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir. No one, sir, she said. He says, then, then neither do I. Neither do I. Now, go and leave your life of sin. Everyone else had left. All her accusers walked away. It was Jesus who still stood by her side. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And on that day, it was God with her. Look, it took a lot of miraculous moments and events of great faith from ordinary people like Mary and Joseph for God's plan of redemption for mankind to have ever come about. But God promised it through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7, 14. 
He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. No matter how improbable that Messiah, the Savior of the world, would arrive as a helpless baby to an unknown young couple named Mary and Joseph, Scripture confirmed that in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This Christmas season, while we celebrate the miracle of the birth of Jesus, the moment that God became flesh and lived among us, this is a great time for you and me to consider what your relationship is with Jesus. So as we get ready to close, would you, would you stand with me? Um, in doing so, if you, if you realize that over the past year you've strayed or, you know, kind of faded away in your faith, this is the perfect time to remember that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God with us, and he wants to be God with you. So today, if you're in a situation that you don't know how to handle, you don't know where to turn, you know you can't solve it by yourself. And you want to ask Jesus to come and be by your side and to stand with you and see you through. Just raise your hand. Or if you, if you just know that you want Jesus to be with you and you just want to say, Lord, I just ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. If that's you, just raise your hand. Father, today, you've seen our hands. God, you know our hearts. Lord, we, uh, we want to thank you, Father, for coming, forgiving us of our sins and making us new and filling us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that you do stand with us. Lord, that you're willing to stand with us when no one else will, when everyone else walks away. Lord, thank you that we can always count on you. O oh God, eternal and ever-blessed, order what is disordered in our lives. Bring our minds to thy truth and our conscience to thy law and our hearts to thy love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.